This audio program is a ministry of Clear Note Fellowship. For more information, go to clearnotefellowship.org. Morning, everybody. Everyone who's planning on staying in here, come sit in the center section. Come on, come in, sit in the center section. Join us where I can see you better. Because we're the household of faith, right? We're a family. So come on and move up towards the front. You'll, You'll help me tremendously by sitting in the center section towards the front. Thank you very, very much. All of you who have your saved seats and all of your stuff already sitting there, I appreciate it. All of you who are not planning on staying in here, it's too late. You have to now. Now come sit in the center section. Okay, I have a question for you. And my question is, how many of you are in here today specifically because the subtitle of my talk included Titus 2 women as authorities together with church officers? Raise your hand. A few. Okay, I figured there would be a few. I have good news for you. I'm not completely going to ignore the subtitle of my talk, but that was my plan for a while. Let's open this morning with prayer. Father, we thank you for this time where we can sit under the preaching of your word. We thank you for the fellowship that we have with each other in you. And we thank you for the work that is done in our lives by elders and deacons and Titus two women, those who are over us and beyond us in the faith. And we pray that this sermon, this preaching of your word would be used by you for the building up of your church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Obviously, I'm not going to spend much time talking about church discipline or preaching or the sacraments this morning because each of those is its own session. And so, if you want to hear about the sacraments, then uh, I think that's the one that you need to leave right now and go find Andy Halsey out in the auxiliary building. But the other two are going to be happening this afternoon. Each of those has a lot to do with authority. And I'm preaching on the topic, submitting to her authority. And so... A lot of times our first inclination in thinking about submitting to her authority is thinking about church discipline. But because that's its own talk, that's a different session later this afternoon, this is meant to be something different. And that's where that subtitle comes from, Officers in Titus 2 Women. We're not talking about formal church discipline, even though this is submitting to authority is a huge part of that. The other reason that I'm not going to be talking about church discipline or preaching or the sacraments is that those are all limited to officers and not not Titus to women. So I'm going to be speaking more generally about the authority that church officers and Titus to women have and how we should interact with them, with those authorities. Before I, want, before I start even, I want to say something that can't go without saying, so I have to say it at the beginning before I forget, and that is that women, older women in the church, Titus II women, do have authority, and that authority is limited to other women, Okay? They do have actual authority, but that actual authority is limited 
in very particular ways by the Bible. And as we go into this, we're going to read from Titus chapter 2. Go ahead and get your Bibles out and turn to Titus 2. We'll read it in a minute. I'm going to be using the home and family as examples to help us better understand what this looks like in the church. Because the church is the household of faith, as we've already heard. A lot of time, just like children, we think that being under authority is a burden holding us back from all sorts of good and exciting things. That's our general inclination. Natural default position is to think, ah, man, i got to be under authority. That's going to be such a bummer. It's going to be holding me back from all these wonderful good things that I could have, that I could get. But in reality, as we see in countless places in Scripture, we've been placed under these authorities for our benefit. They are our mothers and fathers in the faith, given the job of raising us in the faith to spiritual maturity. So let's read the words of Paul written to Titus, a pastor, as he instructs him in how to do this work. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word from Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity in doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I basically only have one thing to say this morning. And that is that we need to not just be willing to submit to authority, which hopefully all of us are willing to submit to authority, but desiring to be taught, led, corrected, warned, essentially desiring to be under authority actively. Not just some point in the future willing to submit as it becomes necessary, but desiring right now at this very moment to be under authority. Holy living covers all of life, doesn't it? Holy living. It's like every part of your life. There is a way to live holy, and it's your whole life. And then there's a billion trillion ways to live not holy, right? Now, maybe some of you are thinking right away, well, but there's a lot of ways to live holy too. And and that's true, but my, my, my big point is that we've got to recognize that holy living is about all of your life. Every single last decision, every little aspect of your life, when, you, when you're going out the door, there's, there's ways of going out the door that are holy and ways of going out the door that are unholy. There are ways of being at work and being holy and there are ways of, of being at work and being unholy. 
So no aspect of your life escapes from this this requirement of, of holy living. Every aspect of your life is part of this requirement, right? Every aspect of your life has to be brought into submission, has to be brought to a place where you are submitting to God's will for your life, right? And we all want to be in God's will for our life. As Christians, that's what our desire is. It's, as evangelicals, that's one of our favorite things to say. You know, I've just really been searching out God's will. That's what holy living is all about, is living in God's will in every aspect of our life. Why do I spend so much time talking about this? Well, because despite the great freedom that we have, like I said, there's many, many ways of, of living holy lives, right? There's lots of holy ways of going out the door. Despite that great freedom that we have in Christ to live a sanctified life, on the flip side, every tiny little area in your life, there is the possibility of being unholy, and therefore there is danger at every turn. I think Pilgrim's Progress has been mentioned at least once, maybe a couple times already, and it made me think the whole story of Pilgrim's Progress is just a laying out of all of the different dangers that you run into in the Christian faith, in the walk, in the desire, in the seeking after living a holy life. Every, every time Christian turns around, there's this new danger that he's facing. And so as we go about living holy lives, there are constantly new dangers. There's, there's danger at every turn for us to be tempted to turn aside from the way of truth and away from holy living to godlessness. Unholy, that unholy living is godless. And as with so many things that straight and narrow road has a ditch on both sides that you can fall into. And that that ditch with regard to how we are to be interacting with authorities in the church, how we're to be interacting with officers and with Titus II women, those two ditches can be illustrated in two kinds of homes. On the one hand, is the home without any freedom. There really are homes without any freedom, where every last little risk has been eliminated, in theory. The children are wearing helmets around the house. I mean, I looked them up. You can buy them on Amazon. I don't remember what they're called anymore. <clears throat> and you read the comments, and they're, I mean, it, it looks like a joke. The reviews of the, of the little child helmet that you can wear, or that you can buy and make your child wear. My two-year-old, my, my, my two-year-old still falls down sometimes. I'm so happy that he can wear this helmet. Why? Well, because we don't want there to be any danger. And so absolutely everything is circumscribed with this, these tight decisions and, and walls that have been erected to try to protect us. And there is no freedom and there is no danger. And yet, is there danger? Yes, the danger, has, the danger has been found. The danger has been met. The danger is there. The danger is the mother that's controlling the household. That is the danger. And similarly, on the other, on the other side of the road, you've got another ditch. 
and the, and the other ditch is there is no safety. There are no rules. Nothing is, there are no walls, there are no gates, there are no fences. The children do whatever they want from the moment they're born. Whatever risks they want to take, they take. There's no protection. There is no, there is no security. Now, these kinds of homes, both of, the, both of the homes I just described, they both exist. But actually, pretty much every home is not at one of those two extremes, right? They're sort of the, the, the parody homes. They, they exist mostly just to show us what the, how, how deep the ditch really is. How far you really can go off the road. Similarly, though, there are churches like those two kinds of homes. There do exist a few churches where there are rules about absolutely everything. You have to, everything is, everything is set up for the removing of danger, the possibility that you might Sin has to be eradicated from your life. And so because of that, there is no such thing as Christian liberty in, the, in those churches. There is no freedom. But these churches, they're very rare. And on the other end, you have churches where there is absolutely... No indication that there are any rules, any laws, nothing to be afraid of. And anyone just, everyone just does that which is right in their own eyes. Without anyone ever questioning or directing or saying do this and don't do that. With these two ditches on the opposite sides of the road that we can fall into, we have a huge spectrum in between, don't we, of, of different churches at various places in one ditch or the other or somehow in both. And What I want us to focus on this morning is seeing that actually a good church, a biblical church, has teaching on what you should and shouldn't be doing. And that that teaching, that instruction... That application goes beyond what the Bible says. Now, does that shock any of you? It should. For me to say that good churches have to go beyond what the Bible says is meant to be shocking. Okay, Everyone go, oh, open your mouths. Oh, can't go beyond the Bible. Let, let, me, <clears throat> let me go back to our passage for a moment in Titus chapter 2. Titus is instructed in verse 1 to speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine, sound teaching. Speak the things which are fitting for sound teaching. In verse 3, the older women are supposed to teach what is good. To do either one of those things leads directly to judgment calls. Immediately. Leads straight to making judgment calls and making culturally specific applications. 
what is temperate? What is dignified? What is sensible? These are the things that they're, that they're to teach. These are the things that are fitting for sound doctrine, that are good, right? What is reverent? What is enslaved to much wine? Are we left on our own in figuring out what these things are? No, the whole point of the passage is we're not left on our own. We're given officers and and these older women to teach us these things, are we not? Is the only way that they can teach them to us by saying, be reverent? Or do they have the ability of explaining to us what reverent means? Obviously, they have to teach, teach, right? Teach what is good. Teach the things that are fitting, that are in accord with sound doctrine. And so the teaching of these things requires explanation. What does it look like to be enslaved to much wine? Well, I never drink wine. I can't be enslaved to much wine. Yes, your vodka is the problem. Oh, I'm sorry. You've gone beyond the Bible. I don't have to listen to you. Have I gone beyond the Bible? I changed wine to vodka. Clearly, I must be beyond the pale now, right? I've stepped outside of orthodoxy. You all better, you all better beware. No. We know. It's obvious, right? This is, a, this is a, the plain meaning of enslaved to much wine goes well beyond the statement enslaved to much wine. But we have to be able to interpret it. We have to be able to receive instruction that, that explains what it means. Getting into the particulars, the particulars of our life, This is what the Titus two women are supposed to be doing with the younger women. They're supposed to be teaching them how. They're they're teaching them to love their husbands, to love their children, to be workers at home. How are they teaching them that? Simply by repeating this verse over and over again? Love your children. Be sensible. Love your children. Be sensible. How am I supposed to love my children? They drive me nuts. How many of you mothers have ever had that as your response? Oh, come on. You all should raise your hands. And so, aren't we very, very thankful that there's more to it than simply love your children. Now you love your children. Now you make sure you love your children. But that, there, but that there's instruction that goes along with this. This is, this is a gift. This is wonderful. This is happy. We're happy to receive something that goes beyond. Now you be sensible. We need specific advice for our specific situation, specific application in our specific culture, in our specific family, in our specific living situation, in our specific financial circumstances. See, all of these things are supposed to be taught. By those who are, are, are beyond us in the faith. Those who are older than us. Our elders, our officers, our t- the tightest two women. The older women are to teach the younger women these things.
And so if we dismiss the application to our life because it's extra-biblical, oh, well, nowhere in the Bible does it say that I can't date a non-Christian. That's true. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you can't date a non-Christian. Absolutely nowhere. You can't find it. You can look all you want. So I can... It, the, the Bible is silent. So I have, I have freedom. I have liberty. I can do whatever I want in this area because it's, it's not mentioned anywhere. No. But this is, this is how so often we treat the particular application that comes to us from the officers in the church, from the Titus two women. They, they come to us and they say, you know, this way that you're living your life, this, this way that you interact with your husband, it's, it's, not, it's not reverent. It's, it's, not, it's not submissive. You should not, you should not sp- say that kind of thing to him. I, I heard it while you guys were talking, while you were getting food at, at small group, and it needs to stop. I was being reverent. No, no, you weren't being reverent. What is reverent? Well, it's not just whatever we want it to be. We don't just get to define everything for ourselves, right? Holy is whatever I do. That's what, that's what we end up defining our life as. Holy is whatever I do. But that's, that's not the way it works. And so, what is reverent? What is holy? Well, we have God's word. This is where we find the answer. And, and who gives it to us? God has given it to us. And he's given it to us through particular people who he has commanded to teach us these things. To explain them to us. We need specific advice for our specific situation. And so often what we do is as soon as we get that specific advice... We just want to dismiss it. That specific application, that, that specific counsel, that specific teaching to our specific situation is just a little bit too specific. It nails us down a little bit too much for our comfort. Have you ever been told to do something the wrong way? Raise your hand if you've been told to do something the wrong way. Lefty tighty. No, it doesn't. No, it's lefty loosey. You put it, turn it to the left. All right, all right. Turning it to the left, it's going to come off. How many of you have ever been wrong at that point? Oh, it's a reverse thread. Oh, it's going on. Okay. How many of you have been right? Oh, came off. <laughs> yep. It's like I said it would. Given a very specific command, do this. Do it this way. Not going to work. Do it. All right. Fine. I'll do it. Is it good for you? Was it good for you? Was it good for you when it turned out right? Oh, don't I feel sheepish. Learn a little lesson in humility at that point, don't you? You're adamant. No, it's not going to work. It can't work. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Oh, it worked. Okay, right. 
I was wrong. You just got to, there's, there's no escaping it at that point, is there? It, oh, you just, and, and how much of the time do we, do we still try to escape it? Well, it shouldn't have worked anyway. <laughs> We're just angry that it worked. But, but was it good for you when it didn't work? When you were right? Did you learn anything from that? See, it's good for us. It's good for us to be told, do this. Do it this way. Trust me. And to do it. It's good for us. You learn all sorts of things, and it doesn't matter whether you're right, whether they're right or wrong. You learn all sorts of things. You benefit. So much of the time, we we take the the, the the lesson that we learn from those circumstances. Our takeaway is: I was right. I shouldn't have listened. Our takeaway is, I was right. I should have known better than to listen. I should have known better than to submit to authority. That's not the lesson to learn. Don't learn that lesson. Learn a different lesson. Let me give you some new lessons. Fill them in the next time this happens. What a, I, there was something I was supposed to learn from this. <laughs> And it wasn't to be angry, and it, I'm sure it wasn't to be proud. I don't know. Here's what you need to learn. Humility. Learn humility. Learn humility as a follower. Were you right? Does it now need to be redone? Do it. Cheerfully. Be humble. Were you wrong? Did it work out? By obeying? By submitting? Learn humility as a follower. Oh, it's good for me to do what I was told. It goes well with me. Learn humility as a leader. How many of us have been in the opposite, on the opposite side? Do it this way. It's not going to work. Do it this way. All right. Oh, right. You're right. Sorry. Uh, no, do it the other way. <laughs> it takes humility to, to do that, doesn't it? To admit, oh, uh, you're right. That's left. I, I don't know. I get those confused sometimes. <laughs> East and west, they flip in my brain. This is me. It's just, whoop, just like that. Learn humility as a follower. Learn humility as a leader. Regardless of which side you're on, those are, learn to be humble. At the end of the day, if you learn to be humble by being in a relationship with authority, what a beautiful, beautiful benefit you have gained. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Don't we want that? Do we want God's grace? We do. We must. So don't, don't let's be proud. And grace is the other thing that we need to learn in these circumstances. Where we're told what to do, we're told how to do it, we disagree, it's like, doesn't matter. Have grace. 
Grace for one another. See, a huge amount of the work that officers in Titus 2 women are supposed to be doing, the vast majority of it, if you look at all the places where you've got these instructions, it's all teaching, isn't it? A huge amount of the work that's to be done is teaching. Teaching you. Teaching me. What are they supposed to teach us? What are we supposed to learn? What I'm trying to get us to do is to to get it in our brain that having people who are trying to teach us how to live is exactly what we need. It's exactly what we need. And so much of the time what we do is we spend all our time trying to avoid those who are actually willing to try to tell us how to live. We're happy for them to speak platitudes at us like reverence is good, submission is good, oh yes. But never to actually tell us what being reverent would look like in this particular situation. Never actually telling us what... it. Submission would actually look like it's in this particular situation. But don't be people who are running away from Titus 2 women. Don't be, don't be people who are running away from the officers who actually have something to teach you. How are they supposed to teach you? If you're never around. How are they supposed to teach you if you never give them any ability to see into your life? If you've always got this this nice wall set up that in your pride you can just say, hey, this this is my life as I present it to people. There's never any questions There's never any needs. It's just, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. See you next week. Is this of benefit to you? It's not. Think of the home and think of a little six-month-old, eight-month-old maybe, just sort of learning to roll around and crawl or stand up and grab electrical outlets. Perfect height, right? Just the house is just designed, just designed for little babies to grab electrical outlets. Every family, every, every father, every mother makes their own decision how they're going to handle this. Right? And sometimes you handle it differently with different kids. Don't you? But do you handle it? Or do you just let your kids grab the electrical outlet? No, you handle it. You, you must handle it. At some point, even if you put those little plastic plugs in and, and go the safety route for a while, at some point, you've got to teach them, don't you? Teach them. This here, this little, you see this? Don't touch it. Don't stick things in it. Don't grab things that are coming out of it. I don't want you to die. Well, the rule really should be don't get electrocuted. You can't tell me anything beyond that. Don't get electrocuted. Okay, don't get electrocuted. 
Now, you may not touch that. That's how you're going to not get electrocuted, by not touching that. You see the application, right? And then, and then, what do you do six years later? You change the rule. And you let them stick things in there, don't you? Oh, how could you? He's changing the rules on me. It's not crazy in the home, is it? We, I mean, nobody thinks you're insane for telling your six-month-old that it may not touch that or touch anything coming out of it or anything that even looks like it. Stay away from anything that even looks like that. Don't touch it. Don't go near it. Stay, don't look at that. Don't st- turn, turn around. Go over here. Is that crazy with a six-month-old? No, it's not crazy. It's exactly what a six-month-old needs, isn't it? When you're six-year-old, you tell them to vacuum. Six-year-olds can vacuum. You tell your six-year-old, go vacuum. No, I can't. Not allowed to look at that thing. (laughs) That's your rule. You're the one you're the one who said it. You can't look, I can't even look at it. So so as we mature, things change, don't they? Do you think maybe things change as we mature spiritually? You think maybe the specific commands and applications coming from the Titus two women and, and, the, and the elders and the pastors and the officers of the church will change as you mature? Certainly should, right? Because if it doesn't change, then what are you left with? You're left in a church that's just like one of those two parody houses where there's either absolutely no rules and there never have been and there never will be and whatever you do is what you do and it's fine until you die or where nothing ever changes and, yet, and at six years old, he's lying there sucking his thumb with a helmet on. It's wrong. Both of them are wrong. And so we need, we need to recognize that when they, when they come to us and they say, you should not do this, or you should do that, that what they're doing is they're being a mother. They're being a father. They're exercising discernment and judgment about your maturity, about what you can handle, what you can't handle, what your, what your life is, where you stand with these things. And isn't that good? Don't we want that? Don't they need to know our maturity level in order to do that? They do. They need to know us. They need to know what we are like. What our particular temptations are. What our particular weaknesses are. You know, you, son, you hurt yourself too much. You need to stop hurting yourself. And until you can stop hurting yourself, you're not allowed to climb trees. You're going to kill yourself. But my little brother can climb trees. Yes, well, he doesn't hurt himself all the time. Dare we make that kind of distinction in, in, the, in what we tell people? We have to. But what we always want to do, and I think especially what mothers always want to do, is to make it all so perfectly fair. Well, nobody can climb the tree because... The older brother is never careful enough. Maybe that's a fine rule. You, you want to make it so that nobody can climb a tree? That's fine. 
I was just saying, if you never make any distinctions between your kids and what they can do and their maturity levels and their differing gifts and their, and their differing skills, there's a problem. And the same is true in a church. Don't be upset when they tell you to do something different than they told this person to do. Be glad. Maybe they learned their lesson with that person. <laughs> or maybe you're just different. We all want to be unique, right? Evaluating maturity is a central aspect of the work of the authorities in the church. Evaluating, making distinctions. Our idea of autonomy today has warped our understanding of the job of these authorities. Because we think that the best thing for us is to be left alone. And we all, hopefully, all are committed to submitting to church discipline, if it ever gets to that point, right? And yet you've already heard how many, how often, how regular, how frequent it is that it comes to that point where there is a rebuke, just a simple rebuke from the officers, maybe from from one of the elders' wives, one of the tightest two women, comes to you and says, you're not loving your children the way you should. You need to spend more time at home with them. Well, she works full time. You be quiet and listen to me about you. Stop talking about her. She has nothing to do with this. How many times have you said that as a mother to your child? Right? That, those, word, those exact words, right? See, we're just like kids. We're just like kids. But we think that the best thing in the world for us is to be independent and autonomous and off on our own. And then that, that rebuke comes, and, and how many hear the rebuke and submit to the rebuke and repent and obey? Sad, sad, sad. It's very sad how few hear and listen. Hear rebuke and, and repent. Hear rebuke and change. Very sad. Do you have any desire to be the one who leaves the church over rebuke? No. We don't want to be that one, do we? We don't want to be part of that large percentage. We never think we're going to be a part of that large percentage, do we? Oh, well, I would certainly submit to authority. If it ever came to the point where... I was being disciplined, I obviously would certainly submit because I'm committed to being under discipline. I have a, I have a commitment to that. I've always talked about how important it is. Do you want to know whether you're one of those people who will submit? I can tell you. I can tell you if you're one of those people. If you want to hear what the Titus two women think you should do, and then you do it. If you want to hear what the officers think you should do, and then you do it. You know, there's this, there's this thing about sports. It's that the way you practice is the way you play. The way you practice is the way you play. And that means that 
if at practice you only give 50% and you kind of, you know, hold the bat a little bit wrong and you don't get your stance quite right and, and it's just practice, you know, I, I'll do it right on the, on the game day. And you kind of swing, you know, half-heartedly and the pitch is kind of lobbed in there and you kind of, kind of swing at it and you kind of connect and it kind of goes flying, right? And then come game day, you're kind of standing there still and you're kind of in the right stance and you kind of got your bat right. And then the pitcher doesn't kind of do anything. He smokes the ball right... Like, wait a minute. Yeah, well, you're playing the way you practiced. This is what we do. We play the way we practice. Do you have any practice? Do you have any practice hearing, wanting to hear, wanting to do what the authorities in the church tell you? Or is all of your practice just talk and not doing? That will make all of the difference. We should not be trying to avoid the authorities, because they're going to give us specific rules. Oh, he's always telling me what I should do. I'm just so sick of him telling me what I should do. Have you ever been told that, Dave? Heard that about yourself? He's heard it about himself. Yeah, he's always telling me what I should do. I just, I don't want to hear what I should do from him anymore. He loves you. He's telling you what you should do because he loves you. Because he wants it to go well with you. It's the same reason he tells his little kids what to do. And they're just the same as you. If they don't want to hear, then they go off in some other room. I don't want to hear what daddy tells me to do. I'm going to close the door and throw the toys around until... Ah, daddy's here! How come he's always telling me what to do? He's always telling me I shouldn't do what I want to do. Well, you shouldn't. Learn to want to do what he tells you to want to do. Learn to, to, to practice the right way. You know, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is speaking to the elders of the church in Ephesus. And he says to them that it's the Holy Spirit in verse 28. He says, be on guard for yourself and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Holy Spirit made them overseers. Gave them work to do, to be on guard for the flock. And those overseers that the Holy Spirit made overseers, they'll sin, won't they? So obviously, we shouldn't listen, right? No, 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 no. Well, obviously we should go find a church where there won't ever be any overseers that will attack the flock. That would be ideal, wouldn't it? If we could find a church where there would never be any unfaithful elders ever. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Jesus picked some apostles one time. One of them was named Judas. Are we going to make a 
church somehow without a Judas? No. Paul warns the Ephesian elders right there. He says, from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So, this is our perfect, this is our perfect out, isn't it? This is, what we, this is ultimately what we have is our perfect excuse always to not having to actually do what they say. At the, at the very end, when it comes right down to it, we can just say, well, they're false shepherds. And therefore, in order to avoid that danger, I'm just going to keep them from ever getting to know me. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to practice not doing what they tell me. So that when it comes time when I realize, oh, that's an unbiblical, that is against God's word. I'll have lots of practice not doing what the elders and the Titus two women have been teaching me. Lots of practice not listening. Sounds great. After all, we practice, we, we play the way we practice, right? Oh. Practice obeying God and submitting to godly authorities. And then when an ungodly authority tells you to do something that's ungodly, you'll practice. You'll play the way you practiced. By obeying God. Rather than men. What a joy it is to have authority. What a joy it is to have them telling us how it looks for us to be reverent. What a beautiful thing it is to have them saying to us, love your husband, love your wife. Oh, I do. I don't, there's nobody that loves his wife as much as I do. I love my wife so much. And No. Let, let, me, let me explain to you how you're not loving your wife so that you can change. Oh. You know, that's, that's helpful. I needed that. Thank you. Because now I can love my wife better. These are the authorities. Let's listen to them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we rejoice that you have not left us alone, but that you have given us mothers and fathers in the faith who can look at us and evaluate us and our maturity and teach us according to where we are and give us milk or yogurt or cheese or meat, depending on what we need. who can change their advice based on where we are and where we live and who can explain to us what it means to live holy lives today, right now. Let us joyfully submit, Father, we pray, so that we can live holy lives and submission to you and the authorities you have placed over us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I only have like one minute left. No, I don't. No questions allowed. You can ask me afterwards. You are all dismissed. This has been a production of Clear Note Press. Please feel free to share this recording with others. 
but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more resources like this, go to clearnotefellowship.org.